Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Limitless with Nadia. Today, we have a very special guest, Aaron Trelor, who is a celebrity health expert, meditation teacher, founder of the Raw Beauty Company, and she's the host of the Raw Beauty Talks podcast. Erin has helped thousands of women redefine their relationship with bot- with their bodies, with food, and their overall well-being. And I'm so excited to have you on today, Erin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here too. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. This is a conversation that I think is so, so, so important for so many people. Um, and I know a lot of listeners, I've, I've gotten comments from people talking about how can I manifest like a better body image? Like how can I manifest feeling beautiful and feeling whole in my body? And mm-hmm. so that's, I think where I want to start with you is where, where did your journey actually start in terms of body image and your relationship with food? So my journey with my body and the relationship with my body uh, really began back in high school, I would say. I mean, that's the first time I remember really starting to think about it. And I think that's true for a lot of women. I was a bit of a perfectionist. I was the typical annoying try hard (laughs) girl in high school. And, um, so much of my drive, I think came from just wanting to reduce any stress that my parents were feeling. I've always been a really sensitive person, and I think I was picking up on um, stress that my parents were carrying as business owners and having three young kids and, you know, just like the day-to-day stuff. And so I really wanted to to do well and to take that struggle away from them. Um, I was doing dance at the time, quite a lot of dance. And for anybody who's danced, you know, you spend a lot of time in front of a mirror. And so the first time I remember really thinking anything of my body, it was a a negative feeling towards it. Uh, I remember standing next to another girl in my class and feeling like my hips were bigger than hers. And just the seed was planted that if my, if I could get my hips a little bit smaller, that it would look better. I was also um, really mesmerized by these images of women that I would see in magazines. And so I would get, you know, one or two magazines that I was allowed to get each month. And I would see these girls in these in these images. And I just thought, you know, they had everything in in my eyes. They were beautiful. They had friends. They had clothes. They had no stress. They traveled the world. They were admired. And so in my mind, the way that they got those things was by looking a certain way. And I think this is a trap that so many of us fall into today, especially with social media in our hands. We're constantly seeing these filtered, perfect images of women where I got those magazines once a month. Now we're seeing that times 10 every single day in the palm of our hand if we're not being really conscientious about what we're receiving uh, in our phones. And so the the picture that these images were painting, and at the time when I'm 16, I'm not processing it like this. I'm just seeing them and thinking, okay, this look equals love, acceptance, um, security, all of these things that I was craving at the time. And so I started to follow the recommendations of bloggers, the magazine editors, uh, around what I needed to do in order to lose that bit of something on my hips that was, to be honest, barely there. Um, I remember cutting out fats. I became really picky about what I would and would not eat. I started running to my dance classes and just thinking about food and my body all the time. I found that I started counting calories at some point because I heard what these models were eating and how many calories they were consuming. And so I had this journal and I would write down and track my food in there. And my mind was just constantly counting calories and evaluating if I eat this, you know, how much does that add to the list and blah, blah, blah. Um, what started out as really just wanting to be healthy, but it wasn't actually about being healthy. It was about being skinny. Um, very quickly spiraled into a full-blown eating disorder. I was diagnosed about six months later with anorexia. Um, I'm 5'11", and my weight dropped 
you know, below those three digits. I'm not going to say a number because it can be triggering for anyone who's struggling with this, but I was severely malnourished. I lost my period. Um, because my mind was so obsessive about food in my body, my grades started to drop. I had to drop out of several classes. My dance teachers had a conversation with my mom and basically said, like, she can't be doing this anymore. And uh, I went into a treatment center. I spent three months in an inpatient program where I was force-fed, essentially. Um, and while that was my worst nightmare at the time, I can look back at it now and realize how lucky I was to have this break in life, to take a moment to pause and to really turn inward and to reflect. And that was the beginning of my interest in self-development in understanding how to nourish my body, how to nourish my my brain, how to support my mental uh, my my mental health, my nervous system, uh, and it really cracked open an understanding of how media works and why we receive the messages that we receive as women, which ultimately is at a deep level to foster and fuel insecurities that have us purchasing and that have us spending our money. Um, that experience is what planted the initial seed of an idea to start Raw Beauty Talks, which began as an interview series where we featured uh, images of women without photo editing, filters, or makeup, so totally raw. Um, and then I had conversations with them like I do on the podcast now. At the time, it was written and blogged about, but I had conversations with them about their relationship with food and their body and their self-confidence. Um, over 200, 200 conversations across the world with women in different cultures and different bodies. And it was a really eye-opening experience for me. It taught me so much. Oh, I love that. And thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story like that. I think there are so many golden nuggets in there that I would love to just go more into. One of mm -hmm. them being that I think every woman has experience with seeing someone famous or someone who has a platform on social media looking a certain way and making certain choices. And then we automatically associate a beauty, like success, health with that image. And I think mm -hmm. like drawing back to what I always talk about in terms of like manifestation, the thing you're not supposed to do is get attached to a specific outcome. And that's exactly what happens is we attach a specific outcome to looking, looking beautiful and feeling like good and feeling healthy, like you're making the right choices. And so, um, what I wanted to ask you is how, how, how did you really start to shift your perspective in terms of food and eating to make it healthy rather than associate it to what you were seeing other people do and how you were seeing other people look? It's really challenging to do that in this society because we are so deeply uh, connected to, rooted in, swimming in a sea of diet culture where where the presounding messages are that the way that we look and the size of our body is actually more important than whether or not we're healthy, than whether or not we're happy. And so when you're trying to reshape your relationship with food, but 90% of people have an unhealthy relationship with food, and, and we know 70% of women will struggle with disordered eating at some point in their life. Another 10% will have a full-blown eating disorder. So that's 80% of women will experience um, a wonky relationship with food in their body at some point or another. And so much of this is because of the messaging we received that says our value presides predominantly in the way that we look. And so it is not simple. I mean, I came out of the hospital program and I was at a healthier weight. I was stable, but I was still struggling. Only now the struggle wasn't just restricting. It was binge eating. So I would be conscientious of what I was eating, never to the point of restricting like I had before. But I would eat 
quote unquote clean during the day. So these foods that I, I thought I should be eating. And then I would find myself going completely off the deep end in the evening or when I was alone with food, I would binge eat. It was like some external force had come over me and I would find myself just trying to get as much food in my body as I could. So what happened at this point is that I was slowly gaining weight, but in but never in a way that would have flagged to some, somebody that something was wrong. In fact, they probably thought I was getting healthier. Um, and this is a really tricky part about disordered eating is we have this idea of what somebody who is struggling with food should look like. And yet there are so many people walking around looking completely normal that are struggling with food behind closed doors or in the shadows. And so I lived like this for a really long period of time. Like most of my 20s were uh, this really disjointed relationship with food was existing. Now for anybody who has struggled with food, when you are in this push-pull dynamic with it, you experience so many feelings of shame. You experience a total disconnect from your body. You are not working with it. You are fighting against it. And you see that in the mirror reflected back to you. Like I hated the way that I looked. I felt so insecure. I would, I mean, I would just lose it, especially on days after binge eating or on days after drinking. I, you know, I, I felt so hopeless and stuck in my body. All I could see was the cellulite on my thighs. All I could see were imperfect imperfections. And the way that I saw myself was then driving actions like going to the gym for two hours and just running on the treadmill the whole time, um, eating clean and then binging again. And I just found myself in this cycle and I felt like, you know, I'm the one who's wrong. I'm the one who can't control my relationship with food. I'm the only one who's not getting this. It was feeding these deep-seated insecurities that I had. And everything felt out of alignment as a result. Like my relationships, my work, my um, inner dialogue. It was all just shit, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So, okay, back to the question. <laughs> How did you start to shift your relationship with food in your body. I actually started working with a life coach. At this point, I'd been to therapists. I'd worked with nutritionists. I'd been in this world-class hospital program. I met a life coach at a party and we hit it off. We resonated and she resonated. I had no idea what life coaching was and no idea how it was really going to support me, but I signed up for some sessions with her. And the work we did was incredibly profound. There were two main things that we focused on getting crystal clear on what it is that I wanted to create in my life and how I wanted to feel, and then moving into the body and healing the body, like really allowing myself to sit with emotions that I had been shoving down using food or that I had been, you know, I'd been avoiding and running from and fleeing from for so long because they felt so big. They felt so uncomfortable. So we went into the body, we did some somatic work, and then we got crystal clear on where it was that I was going, how I wanted to feel in my life, and the woman that I wanted to be showing up as. That was kind of the first two things that we worked on together. And what I found in, in doing the somatic work and really learning to, to go within my body and to sit with what, whatever was showing up, uh, I found that food no longer became the coping mechanism that I was using to deal with all these feelings. Right. So all of a sudden I had more tools in the toolbox to support me in coping with emotions so food didn't have to be the only, the only tool that I had to control, right. to release, to uh, find peace, and so, to be honest, like pretty quickly, I started to experience a more space, more mental capacity, more energetic space because my mind and body weren't having to think about food so much and my body so much. 
with this newfound space, that's sort of where the idea of raw came up. And then I was left with, okay, I have this idea. Who am I to, to start this thing? Like, who am I to work on this? What if it fails? Like, I don't know exactly how it's going to look. Um, and so we started to work on it step by step. I love it. And I think that's so inspiring. And it's also so, um, it just really sheds light on this idea that finding a good life coach that really understands you, that you resonate with, can really help to guide you through the process that you need to go through to get to where you want to go. And I think mm -hmm. it's, um, it's really all about, like you explained, asking yourself, what is it that I'm running away from? Like, mm -hmm. what is the real reason why I'm making these choices? Because you can't just be like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do a whole other like radical shift that is also kind of like mindless in a way. It's mm -hmm. like asking yourself, why am I actually showing up in this way? Why am I making these choices? And figuring out how you can pivot in a way that's actually in alignment with what's good for you and what yeah. makes sense for you. Um, so that, the other thing I wanted to ask you is in terms of your actual body image, um, I get a lot of questions from people all the time being like, you know, how do I manifest, you know, a, a better body image or how do I manifest feeling beautiful or manifest a nicer body? So what mm. do you, what is your approach in terms of changing your relationship with your body image? Mm. When you think about having a better body image, what words come to mind? Uh, when I think of body image, I think of self-concept. Um, are you think, mm. are you talking about in terms of my personal, like when I look, when I'm, when I'm thinking about the word body image, like what do I think of with myself? Well, for anybody who's listening right now, and we can just do this together, just closing your eyes for a moment. And I want you to imagine that you get up in the morning, your feet hit the ground, you uh, walk into your bathroom or in front of your mirror. And as you open your eyes, the morning light comes in and you see yourself in the mirror. What does it feel like to accept yourself? What does it feel like to be a bit more neutral with the reflection in the mirror? What does it feel like to offer this version of yourself a little kindness, compassion? So just noticing how that feels in the body, noticing if there's any resistance that comes up as you do this and whatever shows up for you is totally okay. So just meeting yourself where you are right now. I think taking a moment to get clear on what feeling is it that I am craving that I am desiring in having a better body image. And the words that often come up for women is I feel more free. I feel more myself. I feel more calm. Anytime we're working on manifesting, we begin by embodying what it is that we want to feel. And we can start that practice in our mind. So just closing our eyes and imagining ourselves standing in front of a mirror, showing up at the beach, uh, walking to pick our kids up from school, stepping into that new job. We can visualize and imagine ourselves doing that from a space of self-love. How, how would I energetically be showing up if I accepted my body? What would that look like? Can I allow myself to feel that using my imagination right now? The struggle that so many of us come up with is believing that 
we cannot access that or we cannot tap into it until we have lost 15 pounds, until we fit in that smaller size of gene, until we um, receive affirmation from others that we're enough. And the real work begins in embodying those feelings that we are desiring right now and dropping into the fact that we can experience all of that right now. Now, the cool part is, is as you start to feel that shift in your body energetically, even if it's not there hundred percent of the time, we're tapping into it a little bit more. We're imagining what that version of ourself looks like. We're imagining how would that version of myself act? Would they walk onto the pool deck this summer in a bathing suit and shorts and a big cover up and a hat and sunglasses and would they sit on the side of the pool watching everybody else jumping in and having fun and standing with their shoulders back or would they toss that wrap to the side and own like they'd have you know bought themselves or treated themselves to this like fabulous bathing suit where they feel the most confident that they could feel in this body they would be, they'd have their like sunglasses on, their shoulders back. They would be um, jumping in the pool. They would be swimming and they would be showing up exactly as they are right now with confidence. It's this idea, we talked about this on my podcast um, when you were a guest, of delusional confidence and stepping yes. into and embodying that version of yourself now. Because I can tell you, I thought that I would feel more calm, more secure, more confident, uh, more loved if I lost that little bit off of my waist when I was 16 years old. And by searching for and grasping for all of these external things from a place of fear, from a place of not enough, from not feeling any of those things, it took me down one of the darkest most dingy, scary ass paths I have ever been on. And I lost the weight. You know, I hit that weight and that's that waist size that the Victoria's Secret models that I idolized had. And I was sick, miserable, and half dead. So we've got to stop believing this fake ass idea that the feelings that you're hoping to get to are in a different body like are only accessible when you weigh less or when you are different. Now, that being said, I believe that our most confident, vibrant selves also take care of us ourselves. Like that version of you, she's looking out for you. She's nourishing you with beautiful foods, which includes an ice cream cone sometimes. It includes like having a treat daily, at least for me. But she's also getting out for her walks. And that version of you is turning off the TV a little bit earlier and going to bed to read. She's getting up and she's doing some journaling. Like she is that version of you that feels confident and that feels enough. She's also taking inspired action to care for herself. And so I don't want this to sound like I'm just saying, you know, eat cheesies and sit on the couch all day because I don't actually believe that that feels good for any of us, maybe one day a year. Um, And the rest of the time we want to sort of be embodying and taking action from this place of somebody who loves their body, of somebody who cares for their body. Um, And with that, we start to drop into this version of ourselves that really does love and care for ourselves. That's where I'm at nowadays is, you know, I eat intuitively, which we could have a whole conversation about that. I don't drink. Um, I have gone on and off with this over the last several years, but because I'm more prone to anxiety, alcohol just doesn't mesh with my body. It escalates my anxiety. It brings out that fear voice. It, it feeds my insecurities and I don't have time or space for that. Like, I have too many things that I want to do in this lifetime. There's just no room for that. So I eat intuitively. I move mindfully. I love meditation, but I have two young kids. So it's like, I'm not doing all of this stuff every single day perfectly. Um, And life just feels so much better and so much more aligned from this space. I love this for you. And that just had, there was so much insight and wisdom in the answer that you just gave. And there's one thing I want to go back to in particular. Um, When, you know, you did that beautiful guided uh, visualization, which was so amazing, by the way. 
um, you, the main thing was about practicing acceptance of what you look like in the mirror, right? And I think this is something that I explain, or this is how I explain it to people, is remember the version of you that as a little kid that didn't yet have the critical thinking skills to analyze or judge how something looked. There was a point in time, I think the, the in terms of brain development, it was like at the age of five or six, I think seven and eight and nine is when the critical thinking starts. But before that point, when you're around five, six years old, you look in the mirror and what do you see? That's just me. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, my face and my body and my hairstyle and my clothes today. But there's no judgment associated with it. And I think this is something that I also teach to all of my clients. I make videos about it all the time is tapping back into that kid version of you who didn't always have that inner critic. The inner critic didn't exist, right? It's living in this mode of, I'm just here to be present and have fun and enjoy what I'm doing and enjoy myself without having to worry or like stress out that something needs to look a certain way in order for me to be happy. And I think that's Mm. honestly within my own personal journey of accepting my body, because I actually, I I, I don't think I mentioned this, but I did dance as well. I started ballet when I was like three and I Mm -hmm. did it all the way up until 16, 17 years old. And I think there like dance does have a lot of really a lot of toxicity in it in terms of of body image and for a while i also struggled with the same thing but what i realized was i was so much happier when i tapped like looking in the, into the mirror and tapping back into that version of myself where i when i was a little kid and i would just be like oh yeah that's me like that's what brought me so much mm-hmm. peace is like wait i don't actually have to evaluate what i look like in the mirror right now i don't have to judge it there doesn't have to be a conclusion it just is and I think that's my, my my advice to all of you who are listening is whenever you start to get into that hyper-stressed, chaotic headspace of a, what I call adult mode, tap into your inner child and be like, okay, wait, what would the seven-year-old version of myself say to me right now? Yeah, you look great. Honestly, it doesn't yes. matter how you look. You look like you and that's perfect, right? Yes. So I think that would also be my advice. And then going back to what you mentioned about drinking, I think that is such an important point. And I'm also the same. I don't, um, I, I don't drink alcohol and it's intentional. It's, um, because of the fact that alcohol is so low vibrational, it really puts you in this place of anxiety and just low vibrational thinking and feeling. And I think it's, it's really important to make sure that you're okay, like without that. Um, and I think it does contribute to a high vibrational lifestyle where you aren't, um, having to fight so many demons at a time because you're doing things that are in alignment with your energy and things that feel good. So um, those were all incredible insights. And that's the other thing I wanted to touch on next is the intuitive eating piece. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. So what is your experience with intuitive eating and how can people actually start to incorporate intuitive eating into their everyday life? Such a great question. And I'm so glad that you asked this because I was like, we need to get into some of the nitty gritty of some, like we've talked more big picture stuff, but let's talk about now actually applying these concepts to your day-to-day life. So intuitive eating is a non-diet style of eating. It was coined by two registered dietitians. um, And really we all began as intuitive eaters. So intuitive eating is coming back home to the body's hunger and fullness cues that we were all born with that when we were little, we really listened to, you know, when I look at my kids who are five and seven, they're very much intuitive eaters. They know when they're hungry. They know when they're full. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. Sometimes they eat more. Sometimes they eat less. And when they finish their meal or their snack, like they're off to do the next thing. They're not analyzing. They're not tracking down in their journals about what they're eating and how many calories they were or and they don't have these rules around food yet, like I have to eat this or I um, I should not eat that. It's just they're really connected to their little bodies. So intuitive eating is really coming home to that and noticing your hunger and fullness levels, honoring those levels, because for a lot of us, we've learned over time that our hunger is wrong, that our hunger is something to be tamed or suppressed, you know, chew gum, drink water. Uh, People who are intermittent fasting, like I don't eat outside of these specific hours. We've created so many rules and guidelines around food that over time we've disconnected from our body. Like we have stopped listening and that conversation, that ongoing conversation that as a health coach, I feel is so important for us to be having with our body. It has, it's disconnected. If you imagine yourself in a relationship with another human, if that 
if you are constantly stating your needs to that person and saying what it was that you required and they just ignored you or they did the exact opposite, with time, you would stop trying to talk to them. Like you would cut them out. Your, your voice would become very quiet. And we, when we look at our hunger and fullness levels, it, this is a relationship that we have with our body. If for a long time, your body has been telling you that it's hungry and you've been ignoring it or telling it that it's wrong or, you know, trying to distract yourself or drink more water or whatever it is, then with time, those signals just stop showing up. They become weaker. They become weaker, but we can always bring them back. Yes. And I think it's so, this is just such an important conversation to have. Your body has so much innate wisdom. Mm -hmm. It has everything you need in order to be healthy. And I think this is also reflecting a shift that's happening in society right now of like, don't let other people outside of you tell you what's best for you. You need to decide intuitively because you are the only one who is connected to the accurate answer mm-hmm. of what is actually best for you. And I think that's such a beautiful concept to apply to eating. And I love the example that you used with your kids. It mm-hmm. all goes back to, I'm going to call it kid theory. Like kids, <laughs> we need to be learning from children and we need to be like taking notes as adults. Mm-hmm. They are just Absolutely. so intuitive and so, yeah, they're so connected with themselves. And I think with the example of your kids, like you said, they don't, they don't analyze, they don't sit there and be like, okay, well, how many macros did I just ingest? Like they don't, they don't care about that shit because no. they're like, I'm hungry. I ate what I wanted to eat. I'm full now. I can move on with my life and go do the next thing. Yes. And I think if we all just, it's, it really is that simple of just listen to yourself when your body is trying to communicate something to you, and this is also what I explain in terms of your intuition and your higher self, um, your intuition is a message from the 5D version of you. And the 5D version of you is the level of your consciousness that's in the realm where time isn't real. So there's Mm. no such thing as the past, there's no such thing as the future, there's only the present moment and everything is happening simultaneously all at once. And so that 5D version of you is constantly communicating with the 3D version of you right here and right now and it's trying to push you in the direction of the thing that's in alignment for you. That's going to get you to the timeline where you're happiest and healthiest. And I think in terms of, I've never really applied this to eating, but I mean, it is, it does still apply because when your intuition is telling you, we are hungry, we need to eat something. Yes. It's because you're meant to follow that because that's something that is necessary for, it's a necessary step for you to take in order to get into alignment, which counts on a physical level too. So I think it's so important to follow that. Yes. And, and I think some people can get confused about like, what's my intuition, what's emotion and what's true hunger. So true hunger, when your body is communicating to you that it is hungry, it's a physical sensation. It's a grumbling tummy, or even right now I can just start to tell, like I'm starting to get hungry. Uh, it is your hands getting colder, your feet getting colder. Uh, you're, you're not able to think as clearly you're not able to concentrate as much. There's a mental fog. You may notice that your mouth feels more dry, but it's a physical experience that the body is telling you that it is getting hungry. Now, those cues with time become louder and louder and louder. And so we can look at something like a hunger and a fullness scale where mm-hmm. um, on if we look at the hunger scale, zero is I am not hungry at all. Two is I'm just starting to notice that I'm hungry. That's probably where I'm at right now. 10 is I am hangry. I am ticks. Like we've all been there. I'm going to eat whatever I can get my hands on. I can't even talk to you right now until I've had something to eat. So when we're learning to listen to those cues at first, we may only notice when we're really, really hungry or when we're not hungry at all. But the more connected you become to your body, the more nuanced those the more you're able to truly listen and notice the nuances of your hunger. So ideally we want to be starting to prepare for food when we're at about a two out of 10 on that hunger scale. And we want to be eating at a three or a four. So we're never reaching that point where we're completely hangry, where our blood sugar levels are low and where we're no longer able to make mindful, conscious choices. Because when you're at that 10 out of 10 on the hunger scale, It means that your blood sugar levels have dropped and the body moves into survival. So it is like, I will take whatever food I can get and whatever's going to boost my blood sugar levels as quickly as possible. And so that looks like sugar, refined carbohydrates, a muffin, like 
all of the stuff that tastes so good and gives us that instant hit. So simply by eating a bit earlier. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. You just, you like something just clicked for me of like, cause I don't really have much formal experience with practicing like intuitive eating. It's still something that's kind of new for me. But I realized that when I'm in my, like, I'm working on something, I get into this like workaholic mode where I'm like, so I'm like hyper fixated. I have ADHD. So I'll just be like, this is all that exists right now. Yes. And I'll completely neglect all those signals to the point where I'm so ravenous. I will go downstairs and literally do exactly what you just said. I'll just grab candy or I'll grab muffin. Like the easiest thing that's going to give me that, like, and I guess it is, it is, sugar that I gravitate to because of the fact that my blood sugar is, oh my God, that just makes so much yes. sense. Yes. Yes. It's not just that you're a sugaraholic. It's actually that your body is in survival mode and is like, wow. I need food. I'm exactly the same. And mm-hmm. I become really hyper fixated. I can, you know, focus on just doing the work stuff and ignore it. Um, my hunger levels, but what always ends up happening then is we find ourselves eating all of the food that's not necessarily high vibration. It's not necessarily in alignment with how we want to be nourishing ourselves because we've moved out of a space of choice into a space where we're triggered, where we're in survival mode. So ideally, uh, if you are struggling to know when you're hungry or when you're full or you're wanting a more balanced vibe with food, you want to exist more often in that space of choice versus trigger, we want to be eating when we're at about a two out of 10 to a four out of 10 on the hunger scale, which for most people is going to look like every two to three hours. So um, I have five golden guidelines that I recommend for people. The first is to eat something within an hour of waking up to break that fast um, that we've experienced in the evening then to eat every two to three hours. This is going to help us balance those blood sugar levels. And it prevents us from getting to those eight, nine, 10 numbers on the hunger scale. So if you're able to incorporate a bit of protein when you're eating every two to three hours, amazing. That will just create a more long lasting energy burn for you. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is to put something in your body And then uh, we want to aim to eat two or more food groups at our snacks, three or more food groups at our meals. Um, I'll send Nadia a handout of this. So if anybody wants to download it, they can grab the guidelines. Food groups, just as a reminder, are your carbohydrates, your fats, proteins, fruits and vegetables, and dairy. Dairy's a much smaller portion these days on the food guide, so you can really lean more heavily into those first four that I mentioned. So the reason that we're combining these different food groups is to ensure that you're getting all of your macro and micronutrients, because if we're deficient in any of our nutrients, again, we might start looking to fill the void there. We might start feeling low energy or just not our best. And the last golden guideline is to give yourself permission to eat. When we restrict, when we um, don't feed ourselves, when we don't allow ourselves to nourish our cravings, we find that um, people end up on basically a swinging pendulum. So it's like, imagine when you're restricting that you're pulling up this pendulum to one side And the more you restrict and the more guidelines that you have around food, the more likely it is that you're going to go swinging off in the other direction and find yourself overeating, eating emotionally, binge eating. And once you're swinging in the other direction, the tendency is going to be to add those guidelines, to add those restrictions back in again. And now you're on a freaking swinging pendulum that you don't want to be on and it feels like a roller coaster and you think it's your fault and you're going to get down on yourself. And I don't want that for anybody because it's truly not your fault. And eating intuitively isn't difficult. You've done it before. You just need to learn some, some simple tools and come back to, um, come back to your body. Yes. I love it. And you know what I love about those guidelines uh, or like the, the rules, the five rules that you just gave is that none of them are like super concrete. They are guidelines. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. I'm going to give you a spectrum of what like makes the most sense for you. But intuitively in the moment you decide. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think it's so important for, for 
um, people to have that of like, no, I'm not going to give you a step-by-step. This is concrete. Exactly. What we have to do. I'm going to give you guidelines and encourage you to use your own intuition to decide what works best. Um, yeah. so thank you so much for that. We will definitely be attaching that for listeners in the description so that they can have that for themselves. Um, one thing is we also have a limitless challenge of the week. So at the end of every episode, we give listeners a challenge to implement in the next week until the next episode. So Erin, what do you think the limitless challenge of the week should be this week for listeners? I would love for you every morning before you get out of bed, just keep a journal beside your bed. And I want you to ask yourself the question, what would the most confident version of myself do today? How would she show up? And then write down the first thing that bubbles up for you. So don't overthink it, but just like asking yourself that one question, what would the most confident version of myself do today? How would she show up? Because when we are talking about wanting a better body image or when we're talking about manifesting a better relationship with food, what so many of us are looking for is confidence, self-esteem, freedom to exist in our body. So what would it look like to start showing up in that way from that space today? I love it. I think that is a great challenge is to literally just, um, I completely just lost my train of thought. Oh my God. It literally just evaded me. Hold on. Um, Happens to me all the time. So and I, it has to be a Pisces thing. It has to be. It, it, every Pisces I know has the same issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do, too. Uh, it's, like, oh, completely okay. gone. It just means that you're very dropped in, though, because you're, like, so in the moment and so present. And then yes. if something snaps you out, yeah, it's gone. It's just gone. But, okay, so you are you said to – oh, yeah. So wake up every morning and ask yourself, what would the most confident version of myself do today just whatever comes up for you in that moment use your intuition Mm -hmm. um, and show up that way and I think it would also be cool to encourage listeners to try intuitive eating try following those five guidelines for a week and see how your relationship with food and your relationship with your body actually changes Mm -hmm. Um, there is one other thing that I like to do every episode which is guess your big three I know we talked about this So we know for sure, we know Erin's sun sign. She's actually born a day after me, February 21st. So she is a Pisces sun. And I have a couple of guesses. I don't have her birth chart pulled up yet, but I have a couple of guesses as to what your big three would be. So we have obviously Pisces. I definitely feel like there has to be a lot of water in your big three because you are so tapped in emotionally and so Mm -hmm. um, like spiritually aware. And I think... I think there has to be a few Pisces placements other than your sun. So I would say in your big three, if not in the rest of your chart, there has to be more Pisces in there. Um, and the other one, I have, a, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. The first one being, do you feel like it's easy for you to be logical versus emotional? No, I'm all emotional. Okay, that, that was a really quick answer. So I'm actually, okay. So now I'm leaning more towards water in terms of your big, like all three of them being water signs. Cause I think Pisces would be one. And then I would say another, like a double Pisces, but the third one is either cancer or Scorpio. And that leads me to my next question. Do you feel like you have a temper? Do you have like, do you get fiery or do you get, no, no. Okay. So I was going to say, I was going to say Scorpio if it was, the answer was yes, but because it's a no, I'm leaning more towards cancer. Um, and with, I just want to ask another confirmatory question for that. Do you feel like you are always really protective over the people you care about? Yes. Is that like, that's like something, is that like a core value for you? Yes, I am 100% protective of them, but I'm also protective of them against their low vibration self. So I have a hard time when people around me put themselves down, second guess themselves, or are showing up from a space of ego. I will have a tendency absolutely not to call them out, but like I can see their potential and I can see their, um, Interesting. yeah, I can see how they're being blocked by fear really, really easily. So I f- sometimes feel frustrated that they aren't able to just like drop in and embody that full version oh. of themselves. Interesting. That just confirms the Pisces, uh, I think you have a Pisces stellium because that is for me, I'm also a Pisces stellium and I have the same thing where it's like somebody is acting shady around me and I'm like, I know exactly what's blocking you. Like you need to just like either accept yourself, like you need to love yourself a little more or like, you know, just be honest with yourself. Like that has to be, and my other, I have another Pisces friend who's also a Pisces stellium and she has the same thing. So I'm definitely leaning towards hella Pisces placements, but 
I'm going to guess for the other one, either Scorpio or Cancer. Because it also seems like I you don't feel, so I was telling you before we started this that I had a reading by an astrologist a couple of years ago. And I didn't know that that was going to go into so much detail. So I wasn't taking notes and then I have no yeah. memory. So I cannot remember what she said, but I feel like there was maybe cancer in there. Interesting. Okay. At so some I point. How do we find out? Answer. How do we find out? I need to know the answer so, now. Let's go ahead and put your birth chart information in. Do you, okay. well, you what? So February 21st, what year? 1985. Okay. And then time? 2.22 a.m. AM. Okay. Yeah. And then um, what city and state? Vancouver, BC. Vancouver. All right. Let's see. Oh my God. Interesting. Oh, okay. So you're actually a Sagittarius rising, but you are double Pisces. Like I suspected. Oh my God. Really? What's a Sagittarius? What, what is going on there? Sagittarius is your rising sign, which is, that's like the mask that you, that's how they describe it usually is like the mask that you have to the world or kind of like the energy that you approach new people in situations with. It's okay. kind of like you're, or like when you're solving a problem, it's the first energy that you approach that problem with. Um, it's also your style, your vibe, your aesthetic. Um, that's your rising. And with Sagittarius, I love Sagittarius. I attract so many Sagittarius risings. It's actually crazy. Um, you guys are just so like comfortable with yourselves and so very like free flowing, like, huh? This is my world and you're living in it, which is always so fun. Um, but your moon and your sun are in, are in Pisces and your Mercury is in Pisces. So you are a triple, you're a triple Pisces. You have that Pisces stallium. So, oh my God, that's so satisfying that I got that right. Um, so with your Pisces moon, your moon being in Pisces means that you're very dreamy. You probably are kind of, kind of have some escapist tendencies. Like when things yeah. get hard, you might get the impulse to just like escape into another dimension if you can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, Pisces moons are also people that have you ever heard of like, okay, before I go to bed, I'm going to imagine this scenario and like dream myself off to sleep. Like fantasy. Oh, 100%. I mean, I do that every morning. I oh. write as if I'm already in that place. I mean, it is a, a manifestation tool and something that helps me feel more aligned, more confident, more energized, but that's one of my biggest practices. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. And that's actually what I noticed with Pisces moon specifically is because the moon or Pisces is ruled by Neptune, which is the planet of delusion and like illusions. It's like <laughs> Pisces moons typically have a, have an inclination to like living in this delusional world, which I personally, I literally have a TikTok video called be delusional, like where I'm explaining, well, it's actually not that video, but I always talk about how every morning I wake up and I drive to Starbucks and I, I pretend I'm already like the successful CEO yes. that I want to be, but it's living yes. in the delusion. That's fun for me. Like I yes. enjoy that process. And I think it's so interesting with Pisces moons. It's more emphasized. Like you guys are mm. like, I live and breathe delusion. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like like I for so long questioned my delusion in that I have this deep sense that I will, I, I, I get like this vibe when I even go to say it, but that I am, um, I don't even know. I I actually don't even know the words to describe it, but it's more like I can visualize myself being in a certain place in a certain room. Oh, you're Um, you're a psychic. You're like have intuitive psychic abilities. um, No, I think this is more delusion around like I can see myself in this beautiful space and I'm wearing this amazing dress and I can see the company that I'm with. And like, this is not my current or it hasn't been my current life. It's not where I came from. But yet I just know it's for me and I know I will be there. And so what's interesting, we talked about this at the beginning, you know, how you were like, how do you know, like these celebrities that you work with? And I was like, I don't know. I just end up crossing paths with them or in being in spaces. But it is like my delusional feeling or vision of for myself come is coming to fruition in in little ways shapes and forms and in so many just different experiences in life but it's not like I'm born into a family that's connected with celebrities it's not like I am living in a city where that's even a thing and yet I also feel that that is where my path will lead me just like more and more into that space having the visibility to really be able to create change and to help more women find freedom in their body to help more women feel 
healthy and well and good in their life. Um, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. So I know the, the depths of darkness that we can experience in disordered eating, eating disorders and anxiety. And I actually think what's harder and perhaps even worse is the space where you're not in the deep, deep depths, because that's generally where we tend to get help. It's when you're living in the gray zone where life is okay. The way I feel about my body is okay. It's like there's a stuck energy. There is a dimmed light and people can live their whole freaking life there, their whole yeah. life. And all they yeah. need is a little bit of support in shifting two degrees and it would change the course of their entire life. And I've experienced that. Like I've been on either side. And so all I want is to be able to support as many women impossible as possible in doing that. And so, you know, when you're on that path and you're so clear of your vision, you are going to second guess yourself like a thousand times a week. You are going to wonder, am I delusional? Can I do this? Is this right? Or at least that's been my experience. But I do feel now more confident and dropped in and aligned as if it's already happening. And it is. It's the other thing. Like It literally is always happening all the time. It, every point yes. time. That's, yeah. yeah. And I love that. And it's actually, it's so funny because, and this is for listeners as well. I talk to so many people who just like you, and they do typically have Pisces placements. That is the common theme where mm-hmm. they're like, I just get these visions. I just yeah. get these pictures and like scenes of myself. It's not something that's happened before, but there are, there's such clear images mm-hmm. or such clear imagery happening where I see the outfit I'm wearing. I know the people I'm around. I can sense the, this, the actual environment that I'll be in. And I'm actually going to go ahead and, and challenge the, the status quo with what you might think that is and tell you that that is actually your intuition. You likely have some like psychic abilities where there is a version of, there's a part of your consciousness that's tapped into that realm. And if you're visualizing it and it makes you feel a certain emotion, it already exists and that is actually part of your future, or at least it's part of where you're going right now. Like what you're manifesting mm. right now is in that direction and you're just getting a sneak peek. I actually have, I call them my visions too sometimes where it's like, I'll have something that's so vivid. There's one where I'm wearing like an outfit. It's like a white, it's a, like a shimmery white dress. And it's like, I don't know where it came from. I don't know what, yes. like what it's, but I know and like intuitively because I feel so, something so, like I feel so passionately about it or I get so excited when I get that vision. It's like, oh, 100%. That's part. And that's actually happened before where I've had a vision of something happening and it has literally come true. It is manifested in the exact same way mm. in my life. And I actually posted on my story one time. I'm like, you guys, I just had a like a come to Jesus moment where I'm like, I predicted this. Like it yes. literally happened in my mind before. So I'm actually, I think it's cool to take those a little bit seriously. Treat those visions like memories from your future. Oh, I love that. Treat them as if they are memories from your future. I'll show you this. I know you're trying to wrap up the interview, but I created this when I was 25. So about your age. And I was living in a basement suite in a beautiful neighborhood in Kits in Vancouver, if anyone knows it. It was epic. But I was living in a basement suite. I was single. I was... I had just canceled going whitewater river rafting because I was too worried about having to put the wetsuit on that you wear to do it in front of other people. Like I, my body image was so bad. Um, I'd just gone on anti-anxiety medication and I was doing some work with my coach. And so I put together this vision board and I kid you not, I mean, it's been 12 years now, but 10 years, 10 years in everything on that board has come to fruition. Even this like if I could show you a picture of my husband, I have this picture on this board oh of this guy God. who you can't see his face. It's cut off, but you can see his facial hair and it is Scott's facial hair. We have oh kids. God. We've gone to Paris together. I've hosted long table dinners with twinkle lights. I've written, I lived in an apartment that had concrete floors with a bookshelf where the books were all organized by color like this. It was a rental that we moved into oh. and it was straight off the vision board. It is so wild how stuff has just come to life. Yes. And this is the coolest part about the vision boarding process is that, and you don't realize when you're doing it in the moment, but you are selecting pictures that are literally memories from your future. That's why you feel an emotional attachment to it. 
there's a reason why you're not putting whatever on your board. Like you're choosing right. specific things because you have that emotion, like that sense of desire for it. And that's a wish, which is a memory from your future. There's already a version of your consciousness that has experienced that moment. And she's just communicating with you now mm. to be like, by the way, add this to the board. This is something we're going to be experiencing. Enjoy. Oh so God. that's just extra. Like a I love it. this because everything that you're saying right now, what it makes me feel is a deeper sense of trust and calm. So rather than having to like hustle and, f- and be living in this space of fear and anxiety, will I create it? Like, am I on the right path? Did I make a right choice or a wrong choice somewhere along the way? It's like, chill out, Aaron. We're not, we're not existing from that place anymore. Like we are moving through life knowing that this is the destiny. This is what you are attracting in. Yes, you're taking steps every day to move towards that, but we don't have to do it with that frantic, not enough energy. I'm out with not enough energy. Like we are leaving that in the past and I want all of us to keep tapping into and moving from a place of I am enough you know, whatever I want and desire is mine to have mm-hmm. and that it's okay. Did you hear how when I was trying to share my my vision for myself, I find it very hard to say out loud because I'm yes. so worried. Like, what is it going to sound like to say, like, I'm yeah. supposed to be around celebrities and I'm going to have millions of dollars? Like, ooh, that feels icky to some people. Um And yet I want to be able to own that more and more because the discomfort that I hold around it is repelling it, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, even conversations like this, so healing. And I hope for everyone listening as well, you're you're noticing things for yourself and picking up what feels good, leaving the rest behind. Oh my gosh. I absolutely love it. And I think, yeah, that this is your, your sign to start taking your dreams seriously. Start taking the desires that you have seriously. You want to be a millionaire? Say it with your chest. Say it I with your be chest. A millionaire. That's not to say that I you know, am a millionaire. I am going. I I have a million dollars. There you go. Present tense. We are owning it. And if yes. somebody, this is what I always say. This is the advice that I have because a lot of people get self conscious, kind of like where you were saying. Oh, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for me to talk about because yep. how are people going to think about that? Yep. But it's like this is something that this is an affirmation that I used to use for myself when I would get shy about telling people, Oh yeah, my goals are actually that big mm. of like, if you can't see the vision. That doesn't matter because I see the vision. The vision mm. is not yours to be seen. It is yes. mine. To be yes. Seen. I see it. It's real for me. Whether or not you agree doesn't really matter because this is not your reality. Mm. It's literally my world and you're living in it. So that's yes. just an extra little <laughs> boost for you where if some, if you're Love afraid that. to talk about your goals because mm. they're big goals, don't. They don't have to see the vision. Only you have to see the vision. Yes. I love that. And by having big visions and holding big visions, we're also creating space for other women to yes. to have the same, which I want for all of us. I'm so curious to know what is your, like what's something that you're working towards or a vision that you have for yourself that you'd like to further embody? Ooh, so I just watched a season of this show called Next in Fashion. Mm-hmm. and manifesting just by talking about it. Um, one of the hosts, there are two hosts, it's Tan and Gigi, Gigi Hadid. Love. And I was like, I would love to be a host of this kind of show. I just think it would be so fun. I think it would be so cool. Um, I think I'd be a great fit for it. I don't know. I just feel like I would have a really good connection with the audience and the contestants on whatever show it would be. So that is what I am embodying right now is my host energy and just manifesting in that direction. Oh, I am 1000% can see that for you. And I loved that show. I loved like oh, the Tan Gigi. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I watched it specifically because I was interested in Gigi and seeing what she's like behind the scenes. And I was yes, so pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. She's so, she's so down to earth. And she actually inspired me because I was like, you know, we've seen so many shows with hosts that are just like, ew, like that, like love is blind. The last, I don't know if you watched the last season of love is blind. No, I haven't. (laughs) Well, they, those were some really interesting hosts that I hope they get rid of like full events because it was just so bad, but seeing Gigi and the way that she conducted herself and the way that like she brought so much life into the show and so much humor, I was just so inspired by that. And I was like, I want to do that. I think I would kill it. You would absolutely kill it. Oh my gosh. I'm calling that in for you. I love it. Manifesting. Yeah. When it, when it happens, you guys will pull up this episode for receipts. Oh my God. I can't believe for that moment. Yes. I love it. I'm so curious to know as well for anyone who's listening right now, 
come over to at Raw Beauty Talks on Instagram and tell me what your dream or your desire is. Like tell yeah. both of us or take a screenshot yeah. of this episode and and share it, post it and state your desire. State it out loud. Let's practice doing this together and just really owning what it is that we we are calling in. I love it. That is another great challenge to add to the limitless challenge of the week. Thank you so much, Erin, for coming on, for sharing your wisdom and for sharing your story. I just know I learned so many new things today. And I know that listeners have also probably learned a thing or two from our wonderful conversation. So I will be linking Erin's Instagram and her website if you want to check her out um, and leave that comment of what is your dream right now? What are you being delusional Mm -hmm. about? And um, there was something else I was going to say. And it's evaded me again. That's my Pisces. That's my second Pisces moment of that. That's okay. I'm going to give you the link for uh, the five golden guidelines. And then I'm also going to pass on the link for 55 ways to uh, love your body, to love on your body. So as we head into summer and um, these months, which I know can be, I mean, they're so fun. It's my favorite season, but it also can be a lot for a lot of people. It can bring up a lot of insecurities. I want you to lean on this handout, you know, look at it every day, pick one thing that you can do to just show your body that extra bit of love and um, really start embodying your most confident self. Yay. I love it. That is, thank you so much for that extra resource, Erin. You guys are going to have so many things to get into after this episode. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. for you all. And again, Erin, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence. And we will see you all in next week's episode. You all have a great week. Thank you.